Cummings does projections. Heath Cummings loves stats. What are the stats that matter the most to him when he does his projections? We'll tell you right now on FFT and 5. Oh, I love that music. What's up, everybody? Dave Richard, Keith Cummings here. It's Tuesday, May 25th, and you're listening to the Fantasy Football Today in 5 podcast. It gets you caught up fast on the fantasy news that you need to know about to dominate your fantasy leagues. Follow and stream us on Spotify and wherever else you download your podcast. We know you download a lot of them. Thank you for downloading ours. Keith. Three stats that impact your projections on the upcoming season. I know that you've been working on your projections nonstop. Give me the first one. What's important to you? Yeah, I mean, the first thing that I look at generally is the team level stuff. And that gets really difficult when we have coaching changes. But I put together a spreadsheet that goes over like the number of offensive plays that offensive coordinators, head coaches, teams have generally run. And then like, what's their split? Not just run pass split, but... You can really get a lot of insight into an offensive play caller by looking at what percentage of their targets generally go to running backs, wide receivers, tight ends, and then where those wide receiver targets are going, whether the running back targets are going to a separate back like you usually see with the Patriots or to the same back like we see with Minnesota or Carolina. A good example of last year is that can kind of where the numbers can kind of get lost is we know that New England did not throw the ball very much last year and so i think that's led some people to poo-pooing james white coming into this season because well it was just a tom brady thing they threw to their running backs too much the patriots led the league last year in the percentage of their passes that went to running backs 29.3 percent they've pretty much always been at the top of the league in that mark we thought they didn't do it as much last year because they simply didn't throw as much last year but it was still a high concentration that did go that way. That's interesting. And I wonder if they get back that direction, uh, not just to James White, but just continuing to throw to their running backs. They've added so much in their passing game. It's a, It'll be interesting to see. My guess is that it won't be quite that high, not quite close to 30%, but 25%. I don't do projections, Heath. You're the one that does. But, <laughs> but I would say that maybe right around there is where they'll be. So some value there for the pass-catching running backs in New England. All right, another one, a second interesting, important, stat that you use for projections well it's a combination but it's like i really think it's understated what a difference it can make the pace of a team last year the chargers led the nfl with 70.4 offensive plays per game the texans ran 58.8 often that's 12 plays per game that makes a huge difference for and that's i think chris towers has talked about this a little bit you see the Chargers at 70.4, and now they've got a coaching change. Everything is new except for most of the players. And so you need to expect they're probably not going to run that many plays. I mean, generally speaking, there's going to be a little bit of regression on the edges anyway. And then when the entire system has changed, you probably project them for being closer to league average, which last year was 64.2 league median. Mm-hmm. That's six. That, that could lead to some pretty serious regression for someone like Justin Herbert, or Keenan Allen, who's so volume dependent. Even if it's one fewer target per game for Keenan Allen, that'd make a difference over a season. And then what about, I'll give you two teams that are affected by the Chargers coaching changes. Anthony Lynn, the former head coach of the Chargers, now he's calling the offensive plays in Detroit. And Shane Steichen, who was the offensive coordinator in L.A., now the offensive coordinator, but not the play caller in Philadelphia. Should we expect those two teams, the Lions and the Eagles, to maybe up their tempo a little bit? 
The, the Eagles are a really interesting one because I we don't I don't know how much of last year with the Chargers was Station and how much was Anthony Lynn. My impression was that Anthony Lynn was doing most of the things. Like it looked like an Anthony Lynn offense. Generally speaking, for guys that are in their first year of really having a new level of control, we see a lower play total for them because they are not as adept at quickly calling plays. We even saw that with Cliff Kingsbury, whereas their pace in his first year as a coach indicated they should have run more plays than they did, but they were just kind of league average in terms of their total plays. Last year, that came all the way up to 67.7. So you've got an interesting situation in Philadelphia where they've been 65-plus plays per game throughout the Doug Peterson era. They've always been a very fast-paced offense. Now they have a Steichen kind of with Sirianni. We don't know who's doing what and how those two will work together. It's their first time working together. If anything, I might expect them to slow down a little bit from where they were last year. I do think the Lions, a team that was in the bottom five in plays and, and generally is, we could see a little boost from them in terms of uh, their pace and the total number of plays they run per game. Yeah, I'm I'm completely flummoxed by Detroit's offense. I really don't know how that's going to look, and I don't know if I should really care beyond the run game. Uh, I figure Hawkinson will get a bunch of targets, and DeAndre, DeAndre Swift will get his fair share of carries plus catches in that offense. Okay, third and final important stat, Heath. We talked about team level for the first two. Let's go to the individual level. I added a couple of columns to my projections just so I could kind of check on myself um, to check the touchdown rate, both rushing and receiving that I'm projecting. Because I always lean pretty heavily on what a player has done in the past and then kind of combine that with how good we think the offense is going to be this year. But you look at someone like A.J. Brown, who has scored once every 10 targets. Nobody ever has been able to maintain that we right expect some le- so that's really more of a sign of like if a player has had a certain level of success and part of it's based on the fact that they score far more often or in dj moore's case far less often than players normally do and it's still early in their career i want to normalize that a little bit and it's true also for veterans when you're looking at guys who had an outlier year last year like a cooper cup always been a very high touchdown rate guy we get to 2020 and all of a sudden he just doesn't score anymore. Robert Woods gets all the touchdowns. And he still had, he still had a ton of targets last year. Cup did. Right. So I look at that and I say, I care a lot more what Cooper cups career touchdown rate is than I do what happened last year over a 16 game sample size. Might be an outlier. It's as simple as that, right? And he gets the upgraded quarterback to kind of help boost that as well. Yeah, that kind of matters as well. Okay, three interesting stats. Thank you very much, Heath Cummings. And thank you for listening in to FFT and 5. For more extensive fantasy football coverage, listen to Fantasy Football Today, wherever you find your podcasts. Check out the FFT live stream on YouTube tonight. We'll be back tomorrow morning. That time, 7 p.m. YouTube. Be there. Heath will be there. It'll be a blast.